Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. Hey there, welcome everyone to another episode of the Rocket MSP Podcast. I'm Steve Taylor, I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Adam. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Adam is the Vice President at Vista Business Group. And um, Vista Business Group, they do mergers and acquisitions. And I know what you guys are thinking, mergers and acquisitions... This is going to be so much fun. Uh, it won't be boring, okay? We'll we'll turn this into a, a kind of fun conversation uh, because you guys know how I am. But um, with that, let's let's kind of just dip our toes in a little bit. So, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, why do we care? You know, we're not T-Mobile and Sprint. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we don't need you. <laughs> well, I mean, so yeah, good, good question. Um, M and A, it's 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 buying and selling businesses. So um, I imagine most of the people watching the show are all MSP owners, um, and so you know, you may not be looking to buy a company uh, to fuel your growth, but but at some point, you know, you're, you're going to want to sell versus just letting the business, you know wither away and die on the vine. So, um, so at some point it's something that everybody's has a need for. Okay. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I need you. I mean, I remember this, uh, this company, they approached me cause the guy wanted to retire and he, he wanted me to buy him out. And mm-hmm. uh, he was offering it to me for the low, low price of $250,000. And um, after reviewing, and, and I'll be completely honest, like I, I am not qualified to do any of that. Like at that point I was, I was doing like not a hundred thousand in gross revenue. Okay. So okay. I was not, I was not doing anything exciting. Okay. Um, right. So this guy wanted 250 G's. And I looked his his books. Uh, he had like two completely different businesses. So one was like the IT company, and the other was like countertop installation. Like you know, they do granite, and, okay. and they were running all of it out of the same QuickBooks workbook. No way. Yeah. So so like they had they had like <laughs> the chart of accounts like split up. So like, you know, instead of, instead of using three or four digits, it was using four or five digits. And then like everything started with one was the IT company and everything that started with two was the granite company. So like, I guess that works, but holy cow, does that just seem like (laughs) a disaster, right? I couldn't tell because of that, because I'm looking at the chart of accounts for two companies, I couldn't actually tell like... How much money are they making, losing anything? And um, so I I basically just said, how about instead of $250,000 for this 
amazingly outdated office space. And uh, this this was eight years ago. And all of these uh, uh, Windows 95 computers and CRT monitors. And is that a is that an ISDN modem? Like what what is all this garbage? I didn't want any of it. How about I just give you like a thousand bucks for your phone number and you go away? <laughs> <laughs> and um, there were a lot of curse words used, and some of them I didn't understand. They were in a different language. Um, what what did I do wrong, Adam? <laughs> well, I, um, I, I guess, you know, at least the guy didn't just hand you a shoebox full of receipts and say, you know, here's my accounting. Um, so <laughs> that's that's a, a plus. Um, yeah, I... So we we represent both buyers and sellers, um, and so maybe maybe it'd be helpful to kind of walk through walk it through from from both perspectives. Um, sure. So so when we are representing a, a buyer, um, you know that they, they give us their parameters. Well, first of all, we vet them, make sure that they're they're real so and they're solid. Um, but anyway, they give us their parameters and they say, hey, we're looking for we're looking for MSPs in this this geography um, that are this size and, and, you know, they, they give us the specs. So from that point, then we reach out uh, to the owners that look like from the outside looking in, look like they're a fit. Um, and so, you know, we tell them, Hey, we're reaching out on behalf of Steve um, and, and tell them just a little bit about your story. And then if they have an interest in, in talking, then, then great. Um, and so on that, on that first call we try to gather as much of the, the basics as possible um and so you know we, we go over you know a why are they wanting to sell um but also their revenue their ebitda and and just the the basics of their business um and then and then when we um after, after that call then you know we relay that to the buyer and then if they feel like it's a good fit then we set up an introductory call so as far as like to answer your question, did you what did you do wrong? I I, I wasn't <laughs> so many things really. is the answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just that um, it, it it sounds like maybe that guy wasn't necessarily ready to sell, or I I, I don't know, I don't know what the the situation I, was, but I don't think he understood the value of his MSP. Well, it wasn't even an MSP; he did mostly break fix. Uh, so okay. I, I don't think he understood that like what he had was not worth like his, his annual revenue was like 160,000 gross. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it was all, it was all like 50% of it was hardware sales at like 15% margin tops. <laughs> um, and then, the, uh, the rest of it was was mostly projects, break-fix type work, which, yeah, there's better margin on that, but he still has payroll and all that. And then yeah. once the project's done, like, he doesn't hear from that client again for five, six years. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, the, the business, the, the industry, it's, it's, it's mature enough that, that – most of the MSP owners um, that that we talk with, you know, they, they kind of get at least some of the the rough basics. But but yeah, there, there's I don't know, I'd say 10, 15 percent of, of the folks that we visit with that you know they if they're doing you know a couple hundred thousand in 
EBITDA. Um, and then they say that they want, you know, they want $10 million or something crazy that to, to me, when somebody says that they're, they're just, they're really not ready to sell yet. Um, but, but, um, you know, as, as far as your example, we, so we have a client, um, in Michigan, um, and they, before coming to us, they'd, they'd acquired a business a couple of years prior and, um, it's it kind of like a similar situation, um, but it, the the particulars to it were that um, they're that kind of the the owner's right hand man um, had had tragically passed away, um, and so and and the owner was not um, not he just he didn't have the capacity. So um, anyway, you know he had a get a, a storm on his hands. So anyway, what they ended up doing is just um, they had an earnout, and they just said, okay, you know, we're willing to pay you up to X and, um, and we'll pay you over time. And just, you know, they, they had issues that, that were starting to creep up and they, they had to, they had to, and had to take care of their, their clients right away. So they didn't really have time to go through diligence or anything else. They just went straight to putting the deal together that way. Okay. Anyway. So, so when you, when you represent the buyer, it sounds like what you do is you will do all the legwork to find the right candidate or candidates of, of MSPs that could be purchased. Mm -hmm. uh, you will do the, the diligence and make sure that all of their paperwork is order and that you, you basically vet them before we even talk to them. <clears throat> um to a, to a certain extent yeah um so a, a little a little you vet them a little yeah you know t typically when we reach out you know half of them say that you know hey i hadn't really thought about it so i got your message and and then the other half even, even guys that have been thinking about it for a while um they, they don't necessarily have you know all of their numbers right there but um so so on that first call it's it's really just Get, getting the rough basics um mm -hmm. and so so again we, you know, we go over you know what, what are they looking to do first and foremost um are they wanting to ride off into the sunset and go play golf all day um are they wanting to stay on as an employee um that that sort of thing um and then and then we also again we go over you know what their revenue was last year what their ebitda was um you know what uh, what percent of their revenue is regular recurring versus break fix or project based, that sort of thing. And then, and then after that, um, you know, again, we, we relay that information to the buyer and if they feel like it's a good fit, then, then we set up an introductory call. And then, you know, on that call, you, you know, they'll know within the first 10, 15 minutes easily, if it feels like it's a good fit. Um, and, and if so, then, then at that point, at the end of the call, then then we'll say, okay, well, let's get some NDAs in place, um, and then and so we we facilitate that, and then and then also we set up a, a data room that the seller can use to to share okay. share their financials. <clears throat> now, what if um, you a, a person that wants to sell reaches out to you and says, "I want to sell." How how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, so th we start our process with evaluation. 
Um, and, and we don't charge for that service, but we offer it really for, for two main reasons. First is that you know, we, we want to make sure that we're all on the same page with regards to, to price expectations. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's obviously not accurate down to the cent, but mm-hmm. this is this is what we specialize in. So it's, sure. it's pretty dialed in. Um, and so, you know, we'll, when we come back to them and say, hey, Steve, based on based on where your business is today, if we were to help you take your, your business to market, the majority of the offers would be between X and Y, um, you know, then it, it gives them some numbers to, to base their decision around. Um, and so if they say, yeah, that, that makes sense, then, then the next step would be um, to list their business for sale with us. Um, and, and it's at that point, really up until that point, it's kind of like our, our companies are, are dating one another. But when they say, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and list, then, then we charge 1% of EBITDA um, up front, which is then later netted out from the success fees at closing. Um, but but then right away we we build two really important documents. So the first the first one is a memorandum, which you can you can kind of think of it like a, a guided tour of your business for due diligence purposes. So it's it's a, a book on your business, and then and then the other is a teaser document. And that teaser, you know, it, it it's just a one pager. Um, it doesn't have any identifying information. Uh, of you know, who the business is or anything, but you know it's, it's a snapshot of the business. And so, once we have those two things built, then then we we take it to market and you know, we market to all the all the buyers in our database, which there's thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, and so we send them that teaser when they say, "Hey, yeah, I'd, I'd like to learn more about that. It looks like an interesting opportunity." Then we, we ask them to sign a confidentiality agreement. Once we get that back, then we send them that memorandum. Um, and then, you know, there's, depending on the on the business, uh, the size of the business, location, et cetera, um, you know, there, there'd be anywhere from a couple hundred to several, several hundred different buyers review the memorandum. Um, and, and this is all taking place at the same time. And so, you know, about, I don't know, three and a half to four weeks down the road, then we set a date and we say, okay, everybody that's that's interested in, in pursuing this further needs to submit their offer to us by such and such date. And so, and it's an indication of interest. So it's kind of think, think of it like a soft offer. Um, and so, you know, generally about, about 10% um, you know, submit their offer. Um, and then as, as those are coming in, then we share those with the seller. Um, you know, and, and then review them with the seller. And then also we help them to compare them on a apples to apples basis. And, and so once, again, one, once those are all in, when that date comes by, then we ask the seller to narrow it down to the, the top three to five that they really, really like. Um, and, and all the way up until this point, we've been doing all the heavy lifting with, right. you know, answering phone calls and emails and just, talking with the buyers about, about the business, whatever questions they may have. Um, and, and, you know, there, there might be one or two things that we have to go back to the seller and ask, but, you know, for the most part, it's pretty minimal. Um, so, so again, we ask them to narrow it down to the, the top three to five that they really, really like. And, and then those are the ones that are allowed through the gate. So 
this to be honest that <laughs> the seller probably wouldn't like us very much if uh, otherwise if you know they, they have a business to run and and you know we, we're very protective of their time so anyway then um what's that that's very cool yeah so for, from that point then you know we just we start setting up video calls and um then once once those three to five have had a chance to visit with the seller and have their last questions asked then they submit a hard offer um and then from that point it's we just we help the seller to, to leverage the offers against one another and and negotiate so ultimately one of them's a winner so um i want to come back to this but first i want to back up um, yeah. a few uh, a few steps if you will so you sure. mentioned you've you've got the memorandum and then the mm-hmm. teaser do you mm-hmm. by chance have any of those like laying around on your desk um i don't <laughs> um i was just genuinely curious like you you said it's like a book so we're we're talking like dozens of pages or hundreds of pages oh uh, yeah dozens um okay so yeah like <clears throat> 40 to 50 pages so so how much of that information is like canned or uh boilerplate stuff um very little um so, so there there's there's I say that but the structure is always going to be the same right because because regardless of who the buyer is regardless of how sophisticated they are they're going to need to know certain bits of information um so so we cover things like go ahead are are you just like filling in boxes on on an application and then it is creating the memorandum and the teaser for you so that way it's formatted properly and you're just going through something that's almost like a wizard um it's it's quite a bit more involved than that um so so just yeah that's a really good question let's kind of walk through that what that looks like so um so we on, on the front end again we set up a data room we have the seller upload all their information to that and then Colleen on our team, that, that's all she does is put together valuations and memorandums. Um, and so, so she'll, she'll work through it. And then um, after we have the valuation put together, then Colleen, uh, Mark Obermuller, the, the president of our firm, and then, and then whoever the lead is, uh, we'll, we'll have a conference call with the seller and just say, okay, well, you know, here's, again, here's what it looks like. Um, and then, and then we just talk talk through it, and then when they say, "Hey, yeah, let's let's take it to the next step," then um, we generally have most of the information that's needed. Um, but then we normally set up um, one, sometimes two extra calls, um, and it's like you know maybe an hour to hour, an hour and a half, where where we just we go through, um, answer any questions that Colleen has, but then we also. You know, we, we want to learn as much as we can about their story and, and what sets them apart. And um, so so in that memorandum, then, um, you know, we, we talk about the specifics of, of the local market, um, obviously the story of the seller. So, for example, maybe maybe there's like three owners and two of them want to want to go play golf all day, but, but one of them wants to stay on board. Uh, so we describe the, the nature of, of that relationship. Um, 
also in that memorandum, um, that's again that that's when, when somebody when somebody is is reviewing that memorandum, we're, we're trying to answer as many questions as they're going to have specifically about that business. So you know, if, if there's not not saying that there there would be, but if there is um, any any oddities with the business, um, so maybe there's maybe they had a something wonky going on with their financials three years back, you know, um, you know, but by going through that with the seller on the front end and then properly documenting it and then, and putting that into the memorandum, you know, then, then there's no surprises, you know, things go, go smoothly all the way through till closing. So Hmm. hopefully that answers your question. I, I believe it does. So, why did you guys decide to specialize in working with IT companies? Yeah. Um, so, so once upon a time, we we're somewhat agnostic as far as our industry focus goes, pretty diversified. Uh, but, but there's always a fair number of tech projects, um, IT projects along the way. Um, and, and what we found is that, you know, we've, a, we like working with with folks in IT, um, and then and then also, um, you know, just the, the more projects that you do in a certain space, then you know, the, the better you get at it. Um, sure. so, so there's that that aspect, but but the the other thing is just from a a bigger picture, is that you know that as you know, the the world of IT is consolidating pretty rapidly, and I think. Depending on how it's counted, there's anywhere from like thirty to fifty thousand MSPs in the U.S. So, um, it, it's it's a very fragmented industry, but but also it's also like a to a certain extent a fairly mature industry. So there's there's a lot of similarities, and 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 you guys all go to the same conferences. Um, you guys all kind of know you guys understand each other's businesses pretty well. Um, so, so that makes it, makes it good. So anyway. Sure. Okay. And you, you mentioned EBITDA a few times. Um, I probably butchered mm-hmm. how to say it, but I do know that it's spelled E B I D T A or sometimes I flip the D and T around. So let's see if I've got this right. That stands for earnings before interest Debts, taxes, and assholes. <laughs> Always before that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So and you can kind of think of it. Yeah. So kind of think of it like your net cash flow. So it's it's a way to different different businesses will choose to to finance their their business differently um so you know if if company a has a lot of debt on the books and company b doesn't um then then it's a way to to set them on a equal footing apples apples basis gotcha so um so so abita is the the perfect number so all we got to do is figure out what that is for our business Um, yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah, 
EBITDA is a, it is a super important number. Um, and, you know, it, as far as valuation goes, EBITDA is what drives the, the vast majority of, of the valuation. Um, but, you know, beyond that, there's, there's other really important things to look at too. Um, uh, other, other important numbers would be, um, you know, like, like revenue, um, it, even just top line revenue can give you indications um, on just clues and, and indications on on what's going on underneath the hood. Um, so a good example would be is that, you know if you have two companies that they're they're identical in every way except that you know company A has steadily increasing revenue whereas the other it's it's choppy. Um, then again, all else equal. Um, you know, you, you think that it's going to be, you'd have an easier time owning the, the consistently growing business. Um, and, and, and there's, there's implications behind that too, right? So, um, what percent of their revenue is regular occurring versus project-based or, or break fix? Um, do they have, does this company be have a lot of hardware sales? Um, th does that steady Eddie company, do they have, um, What's what's the average length of of the contracts that they have? Um, you know, typically, you know, a year versus the guy that has everything on month to month or, or quarterly. Um, maybe the steady eddy company has um, price escalators already built into their contracts, and you know, that that sort of thing. And and you know, at the end of the day, a, a good a good business is a good business. Obviously, all those things aren't, aren't needed, but um, but, but it, to a certain extent, you know, it, it kind of speaks to the mindset of, of the mindset of, of the clients, but, but also the, the mindset of, of the employees too, you know, um, so, um, other important numbers, um, it would be just things that I mentioned, um, Another really big one too, um, and, and this one's really important as far as what what drives value is um, client concentrations. So, you know, if there's for for a lot of MSPs, you know, there, there's a zillion of them that are you know two million or under in revenue, and you know, the, it's not uncommon at all for there to be a client that represents ten percent, maybe fifteen percent of of total revenue. Um, but you know, when it gets to be 20, 25% or higher, that's when, you know, as, as a buyer, if you were looking to buy that business, you, you draw a pause. So, um, gotcha. Yeah. So it's not just a magic number. I can't just multiply it by five. <laughs> right. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. It makes so, me less pleased just so we're clear. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not like houses. <laughs> um, th that said, you know, again, it, it is a fairly uh, fairly mature industry. So, so the multiples they are to a certain extent. There is some some standardization there, um, and and everybody's kind of all on the same page, or at least at least serious acquirers are. Um, so. You know, there, there's, you know, we, we, we talk with some folks that, that they get it. And then we talk with other folks that, 
not very many, but some they're like, oh, I heard I can get 10 times EBITDA. And, you know, if your EBITDA is $3 million, yeah, that's that's not anywhere near as, as much of a stretch. But for somebody with a couple hundred thousand in EBITDA, you know, three to four, um, that's that's kind of the range that they're looking at. So, gotcha. um, Okay. Well, I, I think that's incredibly helpful. Um, all right. So do you prefer working with a buyer or seller? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Really, from from our perspective, it's 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 kind of the same. Um, so, in any one transaction, you know, we only represent one side or the other. Um, mm-hmm. So, so wait, you're not maybe, you're not like a realtor where you can represent both and take all of the commissions, <laughs> right? Um, so, yeah, again, we only represent one side or the other. Um, maybe, maybe another way to look at that question is from from the perspective of a seller. Um, so if, if we, um, if, if we come to you, we're representing a, a buy side client of ours that's looking to acquire, you know, if, if you fit their criteria when, and we introduce the two of you, you guys really hit it off and there's a great, you know, great chemistry, then, then great. You know, there, there's probably a high likelihood that there's a good deal in the making. Um, but, and, and that's, because again, you know, we we've met the buy side clients, um, but but beyond that point, then you know, if um, you know, for whatever reason it's not a fit, it's not always going to be. Um, then then at that point, we'd much much prefer to to represent the seller directly, um, simply because it's 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 more efficient for everybody. Most especially, um, it's more efficient for the seller. So. You know, rather than us continuing to bring them one buy side client at a time, and we don't pit our buy side clients against one another. So, you know, rather than us bring them one at a time, one after another after another, you know, instead, if they just say, well, you know, what options do we have? You know, it'd make a lot more sense for us to represent them directly. And then we can bring them lots of buyers all at the same time. And, um, you know, I, I gotta say, I never understood how a realtor could, uh, represent both the buyer and the seller because whose best interests are they looking out for <laughs> other than their own? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a realtor, so I, I don't know. <laughs> um, That's fair. but That's fair. yeah, you know, it, as far as um, as far as we're concerned, you know, again, we, we work we work with a, a large number of of buyers, but and some of them that we we perform searches for, um, and and those, you know, they're looking for something very specific. So, um, you know, if somebody comes to us and they say, "Hey, I, I want to sell my business." it may or may not make sense to introduce them to a buy side client right away. You know, also if, if the seller is like, you know, if they're like, Hey, I'm ready to retire right now. And I want to maximize the value of my business. You know, then again, it would, it would make, make the by far the most sense to, for us to represent them directly. So. Okay. 
So, uh, ridiculous question time. Um, <laughs> what's a hostile takeover, and can you help me do one? <laughs> um, yeah, sounds like a fun time, right? Um, so, so <laughs> no, we we don't uh, we don't we're not involved with those. Um, that that's really for publicly traded companies, and and that's where you know outside investors want to take over the company, acquire all the shares. Um, and, and it's against the will of, of the internal management. So I think guys like Carl Icahn, that sort. Um, but yeah, we, we work with privately held companies. So, Okay. So I want to take my company public. I want to, I want to do an IPO. Um, okay. Will you help me do that? Um, so we would, uh, I guess I would ask why a person would want to take it public, but, but if, if they do, um, no, we, we would refer that out, but realistically though, you know, it's, there are reasons for that, but, but really by and large, a person can accomplish the same thing, uh, with private markets, um, very much the same thing. And, you avoid all the extra regu- regulation. Um, so, you know, if, if a business is big enough to go public, you know, I can say with certainty that there'd be tons of private equity buyers that would be lined up all day long to buy your business. So, Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I know a couple of MSPs that have said, um, let me back up a moment. So yeah. uh, for those of you that don't know, Rocket MSP also has some accountability peer groups. And one of the questions that I ask from time to time is, what is your exit strategy for the business? Because that's that's kind of something you should think about, you know. If you're like 50 years old running out an MSP, do you still want to be doing this in 10 years, 15, 20? If not, how, how are you going to um, politely step away without screwing over your clients? Uh, and that usually means you don't die because it, it's a mess when people die, right? Like, um, so, so the, one of, one of my, one of my members said that, um, IPO is, is one of his options for exit strategy. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense, but. When when you say if you're big enough for an IPO, you're definitely big enough for private equity to get involved, then do we need to IPO? Why would an MSP want to go public? Yeah. Um that that's a good question. So so um really the only advantage to one of the the main advantages to going public would be that, um, you know, once once you once your shares are, are listed, then obviously it's, it's a lot easier for ownership to change from from that point. But um, but but even then, you're still going to have some some major major institutional buyers that are you know they're they're not going to be looking to let loose of their shares anytime soon. Um, so you know. As far as 
the overwhelming vast majority of MSPs, um, there, there's just there's really no need to. You know, we, we work with we work with MSP owners that uh, all across the gamut. Some are, are you know mom and pop shops, um, and then and then others are, are you know tens of millions to you know, hundred million plus. So. For let's put it this way, you know, if if, a, if an MSP's EBITDA is a million or greater, then then all of a sudden that opens up the buyer pool um, mm-hmm. substantially. If it's two million, even more, five million, those are like kind of magic numbers. And and the reason I say it opens up the buyer's pool is that there's certain institutional uh, buyers that that they have very, very specific mandates that they have to follow, one of which is the size of, of the business, um, measure, measured by a variety of different ways, but primarily by EBITDA. Um, so once, once a company has an EBITDA of a million, uh, then, then that buyer pool expands substantially. So um, in, in private equity, um, if, if they don't there's kind of two plays with private equity. One is if they don't already have an investment in that sp- in a particular space, then then that's where that that million or two million dollar EBITDA is really really important for them. Um, a, a, a ton of them have a two million dollar minimum. Um, a lot of them still have you know it's a million, um, and, and you know that they're probably not going to look at it unless it's a, a million or really close to that. Um, so, so once that once they're able to start taking a look at, at the business, then again, more more buyers in the buyer pool means more competition, which means for for the seller, then yeah, now, that, now that the seller might be trend. like a premium rate. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so the, the other so, play, or, no, go ahead. If you don't mind, just real fast. The, the other play with private equity, though, is that if they already do have an investment. Um, then if, if they already do have an MSP, then then size is much, much, much less of an issue. Um, they still might have, likely will have a minimum, but, um, you know, in that, in that case, then it would just be, they would just be adding the company to their existing platform investment. Um, so to be an add-on or a tuck-in. Um, and so so from there, they're just looking at, you know, is it big enough for me to be interested? You know, so a million, million and a half in revenue. So it, they all vary, but, um, and then how well will it integrate with my existing business? So, and gotcha. sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you earlier. What, no, what it's were you okay. You, I, sometimes I just don't know when the, when the sentence is done or if there's a continuation <laughs> or, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you, you brought up private equity, so yeah. you did this to yourself, Adam. Um, <laughs> is is business Vista Business Group at all related to Vista Equity Partners? No, but they're an awesome group. Um, okay. Yeah have you Have you guys done business with them? Um, I think they looked at a couple different projects that we had. Um, I don't, okay, yeah. and you might not I even be able to say that the buyer this stuff but... works. All right. So be, because you brought up private equity, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm i now going to 
get onto my soapbox for a moment, and we're we're going to talk about um, private equity. So, is there? It seems like there's some kind of M and A fr- like frenzy in the mm-hmm. IT channel right now. now. Am am I crazy, or is is this a thing? No, you're right. Um, it, it, it's definitely a thing. Uh, so there's there's a ton of consolidation taking place right now, um, and and you know for for the reasons that we mentioned earlier, um, it, it's a fragmented industry, and and on top of that, it, it's somewhat mature. So that there's enough guys out there that they've been doing it for 20 years, and and you know they either want to retire or they're just they're just burnt out and they want to do something different. You know, so, unlike, or, go ahead. I was going to say, so I can tell you're talking about MSPs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's good. What about the vendors? Do you, do you ever work with maybe not Toma Bravo or, or any of those to help them acquire ConnectWise, but do you ever work with the smaller ones? Like, for example, Rocket Cyber, who just recently got acquired by uh, Kaseya's is Kaseya Toma Bravo? I, that part I don't no, know. They're not Toma Bravo. They're someone else. I, I don't know. Um, Toma Bravo? I might be pronouncing it incorrectly. Toma Bravo is the one that owns ConnectWise. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's big names ConnectWise, Kaseya, um, Datto, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but yeah, to answer your question, do, do we work with vendors? Yeah. If, if they have a need, certainly, um, happy to help them. Um, so, so when a company like Datto, who, you know, that, that company was a monster and obviously it's even more so now when a company like Datto gets sold to, um, that one was, that one was Vista equity, um, for however many millions of dollars, is that a deal that you could have facilitated mm-hmm. or is okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we, two, two parts of that. One is that um, as far as the types of businesses that we, we work with, um, you know, again, we specialize in, in working with IT services, uh, MSPs in particular. Um, but yeah, we, we've also, um, we also took to market not too long ago a, a VAR. Um, there's cloud solution providers that we work with. Um, some that are, that are just pure cybersecurity. Um, there's been a couple SaaS businesses that we've worked with. Um, so so yeah. Um, and, and then the, the other part to that is size. So um, yeah, we, we've sold businesses all the way up to. Uh, I think the biggest was like 130 that uh, 130 million in revenue. So, yeah, there's okay yeah, all, all sorts. So, I, I I was I'm gonna ask some questions, and I I suspect that. So, if I were to say, um, I see a lot of private equity money. Uh, entering the channel, and it really makes me nervous. Um, you, by nature of working with private equity firms, are, are basically supposed to 
uh, pacify my concerns. Is that okay. fair? Sure. Okay. So here's here's my concern with private equity, Adam, and and maybe there's something that I'm not understanding. But mm-hmm. um, let's let's we're not even going to pick a name of a company because I don't want to I don't want to misspeak. But let's just say a company um, gets acquired by private equity, and it is an MSP channel vendor. Mm-hmm. The thing that that we MSPs start to notice is it's like they gut that company and put more cost-effective people in place, and things really start to kind of not just roll downhill, but like dive bomb, like things jump off a cliff. So tech support becomes abysmal at best. Um, Rolling out new features slows down to a crawl at best. And then they start the M&A cycle of acquiring other MSP vendors. And the same thing happens to those companies. So then what happens is there's there's a private equity firm that just kind of has its, its fingers all over these companies and and it feels like they are focused on the bottom line, how much profit can we squeeze out of this and what can we do to raise more profit. And Dave Sobel said it best. I'm I'm quoting Dave uh not because I'm I'm trying to say he said it not me but because i want to give credit where credit's due um dave sobel said it best where um once they get to a certain size they have they they will continue to always have revenue goals you know like like net profit goals but once you get to a certain size you you can't like continue to grow so the only way to increase your profit is by the acquisition of more companies, which is going to raise the profit when you look at the group as a whole. But but then what they do is, like I said, they gut these companies, or it feels like they do, and then um, and then I just feel like everything starts to suffer. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Th- there are some out there that, that that's that's what they do. Um, what I would say though is that, um, by and large, the the vast majority of them that that's not going to be the case. And, and if you kind of put yourself in their shoes for a second, um, that that makes sense. So so let's let's start out with you know say your your Rocket uh, Private Equity Group, Rocket Capital Group. Um, and and you don't yet have an MSP, but you like the space, um, and you're you're thinking about it. It makes sense. Yeah. Millions so of dollars ready to burn it. There you go. <laughs> so um, with with your first acquisition, you know you're you're familiar with the world of IT, but but you're not the the majority of them. They're they're experts at at, at growing companies. They're not experts at IT. So what does that mean? That they're going to need the team 
and, and the knowledge base that comes with that team. And and then even beyond just the knowledge base, they're they're going to need the team to continue to provide the support that that generates the revenue in the first place. So that's one. Second, um, as far as add-ons go, um, kind of the same thing. Um, if if you think about like an example, would be if if you're if you're a private equity group and and your platform investment is in Dallas, for example, um, and, and you're looking at and you're looking at acquiring an MSP in Denver, then you know your team, your existing team is in Dallas. You're just, you're going to need people to run that that Denver location. So um, it, as far as gutting them out, I mean, by and large, that, that's that's more myth than anything. Um, the other thing too is that um, you know if you're talking with a private equity group, you want to find out as much as you can about what who they are and what, what's what's their what's their plan. Um, do they have a, a tight time horizon that they're that they're looking to or that they're operating around? You know, a lot of them, a lot of private equity groups, they have like a five to seven year window that they they look to. To, to grow a company as quickly as possible through acquisition and then turn around and sell it um, in, in five to seven, sometimes longer. So, you know, if you're, if you're on the early end of that, then there's going to be different implications versus if you're on, on the tail end of that. So um, again, I would say by and large, you know, the, the horror stories that you hear, it, it, it's it's more way more myth than anything else. Um, the, they're experts at, at managing and growing a portfolio. They're they're not they're not experts at, at routers and switches and um, and they're also not experts in, in your particular local market. So, okay. The, the, one other thing to add to that, um, mm-hmm. you know, once once they do have an investment, um, then they look at themselves as the owner of an MSP. It's not that we're, we're just this private equity group. It's they're they're an owner of the MSP. So the, the majority of them they you'd likely talk with. They're like one of them's a, we, have, we have one that is a client of ours that, that's a search client, and you know on. They're more of a family office, which is a little bit different. But but anyway, you know, on the they operate very much the same way. And you know, on the calls that we have with them, they ask questions like, "Well, so so what are your major pain points? How can we help? You know, what what do you need? What resources would be helpful for you? You know, it's, it's they're looking to help you really accelerate. That's that's what gets them excited. Is you know, you showing up ready to rock and roll. Okay. Um, are there any unique deals that you've worked on that, that you could share some like cool stories? Yeah. Um, well, we, we had one that, um, somewhat recently that they're, uh, they catered that their client base, uh, is, they had a lot of high profile, 
uh, high profile folks in Hollywood. And that, that was kind of cool. Um, but, but yeah, we, you know, we can help people all, all across the gamut. Um, that's one of the questions we get as well. I'm, I'm in this one particular vertical. So, so can you still help me? And, and the answer is yeah. Um, you know, some of the other questions that we get are like, well, you know, I, I'm in such and such location. Can, can you help me? Yeah. Uh, we have, we have, we're, we're a nationwide organization. We have clients all across the country. We have partners within our, our company. Uh, there's 10 of us all together and four of us here in the home office and the rest are kind of scattered throughout the country. So, so the answer to that question is yes. Um, one of the funny ones that we get is, well, um, you know, I, I'm, I do, I have 2 million EBITDA. So, you know, can you guys help me? I'm, I'm bigger than, than most of, of the MSPs out there. So, so are you guys going to be able to help me? And the answer again is yes. Um, mm. the, really that what they should be asking is, you know, what's the smallest business that you guys have sold? Cause the, the, the bigger they are, the easier they are. Um, just like we talked about earlier, that the, the bigger they are, then the more buyers are there are that are going to be interested. It's not that gotcha. a million in EBIT is like an, an all important necessary number. You know, it, it just the bigger they are, the the more buyers so that are able to participate. What is the smallest you've helped? Um, think of. There's um, um, there's a guy that he's basically he just kind of wound down his business, and he had he had a huge business at one point, um, but but by the time that we met, it was just him, and it's just he just does consulting for a couple a couple clients that he's kept that he really likes, and you know we again we we have buyers all across the country. So, I mean, it's, we work with thousands and thousands of different groups. Uh, when, so it, that would probably be the smallest. And, and in cases like that, you know, it, it's more of like hiring the person on for a while and then transitioning the book of business. It depends on whether or not they want to stay, but sometimes it's just mm -hmm. like a, if it's a one or two person show. It's, it's more of like a group hire um than it is anything else in other cases um you know that it, it might be just like a an earn out like like that example i mentioned before so okay. it just kind of okay. depends so the the last question that i have um what should we be doing to prepare ourselves to sell so that way, when we come to you, it's it's easier, and and the things that you say won't sting as much. Yeah, um, great question. Couple couple things. One is know your numbers. <laughs> um, so th that's super important. Um, know so your don't numbers. Wait until you know February first to do my QuickBooks for all of last year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that, that happens. That's fine. But um, know your numbers. Be ready to go. Um, 
the, the other parts would be um, what else? You know, d depending on how what your time horizon is. You know, if it's a couple of years out, then you know, if possible, start converting more clients over to um, into an, an annual contract if you haven't already. Um, that's that's not a make or break thing. I mean, that that's just like a nice. It's a nice thing to have, but it's not gonna. Again, it's not a make or break. Um, what else? Um, oh, another thing that a lot of people don't think about is like if you have a list of vendors, um, just an internal list, um, and and you have, you know, write out like what your contracts, you know, your contract dates are with them um, and, and the terms that you have. And that's, that's pretty important. Um, um, what else? If you had uh, like a blind list uh, of, of your top, your top clients, you know, you can have, you know, full list or, or just say your top 10. Um, obviously you don't put by, client names on there. Blind. But. Yeah. And I was going to say by blind, you mean name free to right. protect the innocent and honestly right. to protect your income. Right. Because somebody yeah. could be pretending to want to buy you. And as soon as they see your client list, maybe they just go out and sell your clients. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose that. I, we've heard I'm, stories I'm like not that. Saying, but... I'm not saying going through a company like yours. I'm saying right. some someone convinces, hey, I'm thinking about you know buying an MSP in your area. How about you let me take a look at your books? Right. Um, I, I've I've heard of stranger things happening. I mean, remember that time Grandma uh, went to the store and got a bunch of iTunes gift cards to pay her taxes. Right. Right. Yeah, so from yeah, and there's a guy in Mumbai that was helping her with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um it was, it was yeah. her uh it was her uncle, the the prince of Tunisia. <laughs> um yeah, so, so yeah, you you're exactly right. Um you know, even even when we're working with folks, we we still tell them you know, we, we say very explicitly, you know, no names, just client one, client two, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, the, having a breakdown of that, that's, that's really helpful. Um, okay. you know, so, um, you know, what, what percent of, what percent of your revenue each client accounts for, how long they've been with you, um, what type of work, you know, you typically do, or so are they just, are they an MRR client or are they just, you know, an occasional project-based type client, you know, that, that sort of thing. How much revenue comes from hardware versus, Got it. versus okay. the rest, you, you get it. Yeah. So that's good stuff, man. Yeah. Is there anything else that that you can think of that maybe we should talk about? Yeah. Um, so, so one would be that you know you'd ask the question if if somebody's wanting to sell and they come to us and they say, well, what can you do? 
you know, not everybody is is comfortable with the idea of 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 listing their business because um, just because you know in, the, in their mind they're like, well, gosh, I don't I don't want the whole world to know that I'm for sale, um, and, and I, you know I, I get that. So in in I'd say one is that anybody that that asks to see the memorandum, they're going to have to sign, you know, a really strongly worded. Um, there, there's a lot of protections in place in, in the confidentiality agreement. So, so there's that. But, but even beyond that, if there's if they still say, hey, I, I, I just don't know that I'm comfortable with that. We have what's called a, a quiet listing, where we reach out to acquirers strategically. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So that'd be one, and then. Um, yeah, just the the other would be that um, again, there there's there's enough MSPs out there that you guys all kind of know one another, or you guys can I don't know. I'd say probably two thirds to three fourths of the folks that we visit with are, are at least roughly familiar with the multiples, um, and and you know if, if somebody's curious, hey, what's What's my business worth if I were to sell? You know, give us a call. I'm happy to happy to put together evaluation and and again we we don't charge for that. That's we, we do a, a ton of work when somebody decides to to list their business for sale with us or or you know, do the quiet listing. There's there's a ton of work that goes into that. So you know we want to make sure that we're all on the same page first um, before before we. T- all take that next step together. Um, and so, yeah, again, if you're curious, happy to, happy to put together evaluation for you. I love it. All right. Uh, so with that said, everybody, um, if you are interested in reaching out, um, the website is vistabusinessgroup.com. Vista, just like uh, your least favorite version of Windows, businessgroup.com. And it is now scrolling as a ticker on the bottom of the screen. How how wonderful is that? (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, you could could also just send me an email. Um, It's adamborst at vistabusinessgroup.com. So Adam, A-D-A-M, and then B-O-R-S-T at vistabusinessgroup.com. So, or, or you can just give us a call. Or give them a call. Yeah. So if any of you are, are remotely interested in buying or selling uh, your IT company or another IT company, uh, give Adam a call. If you're interested in performing a hostile takeover, do not give Adam a call. And yeah, thanks so much for, for coming out and doing this with me, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, everybody, this concludes today's episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. Uh, Thanks to everyone who watched and you all have yourselves a great day. 
Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.